All right, well, it's good to be back with you this morning, Look, opening up the Word of God together. We are going to be in uh, Luke 17 this morning, and so uh, giving thanks before Thanksgiving, all right, giving thanks before Thanksgiving. This will be a little mini-series that we have here as Thanksgiving approaches, and uh, uh, looking forward to, to working, working through this together, but uh, Luke 17 is where we'll be beginning, and uh, title of the message, The Evidence of a Changed Heart, and uh, we'll, we'll see here what happens uh, in the lives of, of um, really ten, ten lepers uh, who are healed by God. Fortunately, uh, one of the things that is often missing today is gratitude, right? Often thanks is left behind. Um, read an account of a man named Alexander White. He was one of the a Scottish preacher in the 19th century, and uh, he was visiting um, an elderly parishioner. And this individual this, uh, that he was visiting complained over and over again about everything and everyone. And uh, so finally he's about to leave, and uh, he's got his hat in his hand still. He's walking out the door, and, and uh, his comment to her was just a, a simple phrase from Psalm 103, uh, verse 2, and mind you, forget not all his benefits. And uh, if you were here in, <laughs> if you were here in Sunday school, you heard that Psalm 103, right? Uh, Don't forget his benefits. And um, thanklessness is not, is not new, right? It has been around. Um, it has been around as long as there's been sin. <laughs> And um, just a great, great reminder to us that, that we need to be thankful people. Psalm 17, uh, verse 11, uh, I'm going to read this aloud, and then uh, if you want to follow along in your Bible, Psalm seven, uh, sorry, Luke 17, I've been doing Psalms a lot, Luke 17, uh, verse 11, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks as he was a Samaritan. And Jesus, and Jesus answering said, were not there ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They're not found, uh, there are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Lord, bless the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the word of God this morning. Father, we, uh, we recognize that uh, this area of thankfulness is one where uh, likely we can all improve. Father, help us to see the blessings around us. Help us to count the blessings around us. Uh, but Father, help us to also uh, give thanks for your sure providence in our lives as you lead and guide and direct. Father, may we give it thanks even in the moments uh, that don't seem so good at the time, knowing, however, that you are using those things for our good and for your purpose. Father, may we have thankful hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this um, whole idea of, of forgetting to give thanks or ungratefulness is just, I think, something that 
um, is, is part of life for mankind now, right? We are, we are inherently um, ungrateful. Far too often uh, we think that maybe we deserve it or we, we should have it. Uh, why do I give thanks is what they're supposed to do. You know, you, you, know, you fill in the list, right? Um, and, and so we, we have all of these excuses and various things that we, we come up with, and certainly even in, in, um, as believers, we're not immune, right? We're not immune uh, to that, that sin nature and that calling. Um, and so all of this, as we, as we think about it, um, whether it's just simple giving thanks uh, at, before meals or, or whatever it is, um, far too often I think folks don't realize um, May, may not even be able to realize the difference between a believer and an unbeliever uh, because there is so little difference in terms of their gratitude. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a Christian group that was a bunch of complainers. Have you ever experienced that? I've, I've experienced that before. Um, it's not really fun, right? I mean, it's just like, a bunch of people just sitting around complaining about everything. It's not. It's it's not fun, and and it's it, in essence, it's as though it it renders the the gospel itself and the change that has taken place in hearts. It it renders it ineffective, at least in its um, external appearance from 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 individual hearts and. Um, from a, a scriptural standpoint, the whole idea of a thankless Christian is, is kind of like a contradiction. I mean, when, when Christ has saved you, uh, how can you be thankless, right? How can you be thankless? When, when God is your Father, how can you be thankless? And so um, we know that even as believers, we're, we're commanded, we look through this together, right, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That, that rejoicing, that thankfulness for what God has done ought to be just pouring out of us. And it, it should be one of, the, one of the primary ways that people can see the change that's taken place inside is that we then display it on the outside. Uh, I, I think this is something that can be a challenge for many. Um, and, and I'll admit, um, it can be a challenge for me. I don't necessarily like to be, you know, the outgoing you know, running around type A, you know, at the front, you know, yeah, awesome. You know, that's, that's not my preference, right? I, I can fill that mold if I have to, but it's not my preference. Um, and, and, you know, uh, this is kind of silly, but um, I took my dog to the vet yesterday. The guy, he was the rah-rah, yeah. You know, like I mean, like he was—he was really happy. You know, I mean, and, and every—he was excited about dogs, and he was talking about them, and all this stuff. And it's like, man, that guy's like a—that guy's like a, a dog evangelist or something. You, you know what I mean? I mean he was just—you know—he's—he's he's excited about. You just see the enthusiasm and, and everything coming out of him. And uh, I, I mean, he was enthusiastic with me, and he got done. And he said, "Yeah, you don't have to come back for a year." I was like. Why are you so excited? You don't, you, know, you don't even need me to come back next month or what? You're not even getting more money. Why, why are you so excited? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, he was just that kind of guy. He was excited about stuff. And, um, and you know, and, and I, I'm not saying we have to change our personality overnight or anything like that. 
But I do think we have to be mindful about, about what we are putting off as believers externally and, and what we are showing to the world around us. Um, the, the fact is that the change that has taken place inside us uh, ought to be something that is visible to other people externally as it, as it uh, affects and changes our lives. And, and part of those ways that it changes our lives that scripture mentions over and over again is our rejoicing and our thankfulness, right? That, that, those two areas, that, that is mentioned over and over and over again in, in scripture, um, not simply suggested, but commanded, right? But commanded for believers. And, and so um, as we approach Thanksgiving, right, a season set aside with the intention of, of, of giving thanks to God, for the, the many blessings that he has offered to us. Uh, it, it's my prayer and, and, and my hope that through this time, we will refocus on what's, what God is doing. And, and, and so that includes both, um, you know, we have our month of prayer. Um, make giving thanks to God a regular component of the month of prayer. Uh, make talking to God and offering thanks to him a regular component of this. Um, and, and what I mean by that is um, even our missionaries, right, occasionally they'll write good things and then they'll get to the end and they'll say, pray for us in these ways. Pray that Stella will get better. Pray that, <laughs> pray that the, uh, ch- the, the, the van will not break down anymore. Pray that, you know, and, and it's a list of requests. And I understand that, right? I mean, that's our prayer list here. It's a list of requests. Um, but our prayers ought to include thankfulness to God. Thanks, God, for how you have led this couple. Thanks for how you have instructed them. Thanks for how that you have prepared this for this mission. Thanks for the fruit that they're seeing in this area. And, and include those components in, in your prayers this month. And um, it, it would just be a wonderful thing for that to start happening privately first in our thanks to the Lord and then for it to then migrate into our conversations uh, with others as well. All right, so we've got 10 lepers here who are healed by Jesus. And uh, the uh, very beginning here, we see that uh, the healing of many in verses 11 through 14, um, these titles are not there, but verse 11 through 14, the healing of many, verse 11, came to pass as he went to Jerusalem. He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices, said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. Came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. So, many, right? Ten, ten here, ten lepers here. Um, it, it says, they went, they were cleansed, all ten cleansed, right? All, all ten um, and, and so we don't know exactly where this is. It's uh, somewhere in, in, on, the, um, on, on the border of Samaria here um, and, and Galilee, right, you know, right near that range. Um, so there's, there's these 10 men there. Um, you know, they, they would have been lepers in that day where it was very specific what they were supposed to do. Um, and, and, you know, leprosy is a terrible disease. It's still going on in certain places in the world today. Um, thankfully, we have medication that that helps with that and so you don't see it like you did but um you know basically the the skin starts kind of falling off and um and people lose digits and fingers and toes and 
Um, I, I mean, just, just terrible. I mean, uh, hair and eyelashes and all these things and, and faces sunken in. I mean, just a, a terrible, terrible disease. And, um, and so um, it, was, it was very contagious, very contagious, could be spread. And, and so one of the requirements was that, that those who had the disease of leprosy um, were, were not, they were declared ceremonially unclean. They were not able to come in contact with others. Makes sense, right? This infectious disease here. Um, but also they had a, a responsibility to warn others as well. Um, and, and so they actually had to cry out, unclean, unclean. Uh, Leviticus 13 gives us that instruction, Leviticus 13 there. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, torn, his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. All right, so Leviticus, I mean, we've got visually, you can see the issue. You got a mask on, covering on the upper lip. You know, they're masked and, and they're, they're crying out to others, unclean, unclean. Um, I mean, it, 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 would, it would be like, you know, almost like somebody who was climbing out of a grave. I mean, that, that type of imagery just wasting away. And, and you know, a, a terrible, terrible situation. And so, so from a, a distance, Jesus is coming in, and, and they start crying out, you know, Jesus, you know, Master, have, have pity, have, have mercy on us. And, and it seems that they were, they were loud and persistent enough to catch his attention. Right? Ha, have mercy on us. Have mercy, Master. Please, have mercy. Just crying out over and over again. And Jesus sees them, and he responds. Immediately he responds. And in this case, he doesn't go up to the lepers and, and touch each of them or, or, or touch each one. He had done that before. Right? Jesus was not concerned about the infectious disease because he was God, right? He could heal that. Um, that's not suggesting that that be normal procedure for everybody else, right? But, but he, he could do that, and he had done that before. Um, but, but here, uh, he doesn't go up and lay hands on each leper. He, he tells them something to do. I mean, he, he could have just said, be clean, and they would have been clean. But, but he didn't do that either. Right? He, he told them something to do. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And, and so they had something to do. Um, now, that's a little bit unusual because lepers didn't just go and show themselves to the priests. Right? If you had leprosy, you didn't just walk into the temple and say, hey, <laughs> here I am, right? Now, now, okay, if, if, if you had a spot and you didn't know what it was, you could have the priest look at it. But this is different. There, there was no doubt, right? There was no diagnosis that needed to be made. They had leprosy. There, there was no doubt about it. And if you had leprosy, you weren't supposed to just walk into the priest. But that's what Jesus commanded them to do. Can you imagine if you were a leper and you show up at the temple and say, here I am. Probably wouldn't have went over well, right? Probably wouldn't have went over well. I, I don't know what the punishment would have been, but clearly there would have been some violations of the law uh, were that to take place. Now, after the examination, uh, if you were healed, 
right? If the leprosy had gone away, then you go to the priest, not while you still have it. And, and so, so afterwards, if, if, if the priest examines you, he says, yeah, it looks like you're okay now, right? And, and that's the response. Then they have an eight-day ceremony that, that takes on of, of cleansing and various things before they're reunited back with their family. Now, Jesus' command here is, is out of order. You're supposed to be healed, then go to the priest. Uh, but Jesus said, you who have leprosy, just go to the priest. And, and the scripture records the miraculous thing that happens here as they begin that process of, of walking to the priest. And as it, as it says there in verse 14, it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. They, they are literally walking on the way to the priest. And, you know, I, I can't imagine exactly what this would have looked like. I mean, imagine if, because we're, we're, we're not talking about, we're not talking about like, oh, I've got a sore throat and it goes away. <laughs> you, you know, something like that. I mean, we're talking about people who are missing digits, who, who, who have their face sunken in, uh, who, who are, are, are shriveled up in different ways, and, and they are walking to the priest, and as they are doing that, uh, they, they are, are literally, their, their body is, is, is being healed. It, it is being healed. Um, you know, what, what would that have looked like? I mean, that's like modern movie CGI kind of morphing <laughs> that's going on. I mean, is that, is that toes growing back? Is that fingers growing back? Is that the face popping back out? Be, because uh, apparently by the time that they got to the temple, the priest was supposed to be able to look at them and say, yeah, you're all better. That, that's an incredible change that would have had to, take, have, had to have taken place um, in, in, in the lives of these lepers. So, so as, we, as we think about what Jesus told them to do, that would have required a lot of faith. I mean, that, that would have required faith to, to go and walk to the priest, walk to the temple, knowing that you're, you still have leprosy and just believing what he said. Now, it's, it, it's hard to imagine that all ten would have just said, yeah, okay, let's go. But I mean, we don't have anything here that tells us otherwise. right? We don't have anything here that says someone pushed back or anything like that. Um, it, it was not a short trip to the temple. It would have been a, a decent, you know, a, a long way to, to, to get there. And, and the, the question certainly would have come up, if Jesus could heal them, you know, why wouldn't he just do it? Why wouldn't he just say, all right, you're healed? Um, um, you think of the, the scorn and everything of seeing a priest while you still have leprosy. And they went, as they went, they were, they were healed. It's a mass healing. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, 10 people getting healed right there as they're walking along the street. Um, they, they wouldn't have... They wouldn't have had, you know, a mirror in front of them, but they would have seen it in the others, right? They would have seen it in those they were walking with along the way. They would have seen faces transformed. They would have seen ears coming back. They would have seen noses being regrown. They would have seen eyebrows growing on faces. 
Uh, it's hard to imagine. And so many are healed. And, and so that's, that's what we have described for us here is the healing of many. But what comes next is the thanks of one. Right? Verse, verse 15 here, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So ten leopards, one of them, at least this one, is a Samaritan. Um, and typically Jews would not have associated with Samaritans. We, we looked at this not long ago with the, the woman at the well, John 4, 9, right? Saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, uh, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Very clear, just put out there, you know, very simple. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Uh, but here is a Samaritan in this group of lepers, and perhaps because of their plight or what they were going through, the, the ten were together, right? The ten were together. And the healing happens, right? Maybe, maybe, it is, maybe it's nine Jews and one Samaritan. We, we don't know specifically who the others were. But, right, the group is walking toward the temple. The healing takes place, and... And immediately there is this man who's a Samaritan, and, and he has welling up in him just this incredible emotion of gratitude. I mean, I mean can, can you imagine that? You are, you, you are literally seeing the transformation take place in those in your group who you are with. You know it is taking place for your, on yourself as well. You can see it on your hands. You can see it on your legs. You can see it on your feet. You can see it on your toes. And, and that transformation is, is taking place. And, and as it happens, he is just overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. And what does he do? He says, the temple can wait. I'm going back to Jesus. Right? I'm going back to Jesus. His, his spiritual obligation, right? His, his condition, his, his gratitude, his, his, the joy of his heart overrode the need for ceremonial cleansing. So the Samaritan leaves. Maybe it's nine Jews, they keep going to the temple, whatever it is. Uh, they, they part company. And the Samaritan knows immediately that he has two people to thank, right? He has two people to thank. And, and first, first, back in verse, uh, verse 15, right? One of them, he, he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, he glorified God. So first he thanked God, right? He, he, he lifted up his voice and, and he, he cried out to God. This, um, this word here, right, loud voice, um, it, it comes from two Greek words, and uh, phonus megalis. What is that? Megaphone, right? I mean, that, that's those roots that, that form the basis for our word megaphone. And so with a loud voice like a megaphone, he is crying out and glorifying God. And, and so he, he, he is, 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 is just lifting out. Now, what he didn't know Right? He thought that he had two people to thank. He had to thank God, and then he had to go back and thank Jesus. What he didn't yet know was that he only had one to thank, right? Because the two were one. So then he, he 
thanks Jesus. He falls down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And so he, he cries out to Jesus, and he, he's thanking him. You know, you, you can just imagine, here, here is this man who in the streets is having to cry out constantly, you know, unclean, unclean. He, he's the same man on the streets who, who, when Jesus comes in, he's crying out, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And now with a loud voice, he's back on those same streets, crying out, thanks be to God. Give glory to God. Thanks be to God. Jesus, thank you for healing me. And, he, and he's crying out very publicly for all to hear. He, he, he let his gratitude be shown, right? He, he let others see what was going on. He was unafraid. It wasn't as though now he, oh, I got what I want. I guess I can go take off, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever, ever seen this type of thing before where... Uh, you know, somebody, somebody wants something. Maybe it's an autograph, whatever it is, right? And, and there is somebody who, from a societal standpoint, is often viewed as better, higher, whatever, a great athlete, whatever it is. And, and so, uh, you know, us, the little regular people, we, we stand in line and we're trying to get them to sign the baseball or, or whatever it is. And it doesn't matter whether it's a child or an adult, a lot of times they get whatever it was that they signed and it gets handed back to them and what you see on, on the video is, <coughs> I mean, just like that, right? I mean, it, it hits their head and, and they turn around, they run back out of the way. What? They got what they wanted. That, that was what they wanted. They got what they wanted. But there wasn't the heart of gratitude. It wasn't there. And so we got nine out of the ten. They got what they wanted. And what do you do next if you get what you wanted? Well, you, you go so that you can be ceremony cleansed and you can go see your family again. Not for this one. So no, my first job is to go give thanks. Give thanks to the God who made this possible. Give thanks to Jesus who healed me. So this change that's taken place in his life here uh, is then confirmed. This is the third part, the evidence confirmed. Verse 17 uh, here says the following. Jesus answering said, we're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They're not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said to him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So, um, sorry, I should have moved that forward for you. But uh, three questions here, actually. Um, some versions will have it listed as two, but really three questions going on. Three questions given really in succession by Jesus in this moment. One, weren't all ten cleansed? Right? Did it not work for the other nine? <laughs> I mean, he knows the answer, right? But you, you, can almost, you can almost hear maybe a little bit of sarcasm there, right? Didn't it? The other nine not get healed? <laughs> yeah. Second question, where are the other nine? He's given the answer, yeah, they were healed. Where are they? Why aren't they here? Third question, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, we, um, 
that, that sound, foreigner, stranger, whatever's used there, to us, to our ears, that might sound strange, but in this context, in a Jewish city, his point would have been not to condemn the stranger, the foreigner, but rather to say to the Jewish people, where are you at, right? Where, where are you? His condemnation was directed toward the Jews who were not thankful. It was not intended as condemnation to the one who was outside. And, and so in, in essence, once again, we, we see an example here of someone outside of the Jewish people, a foreigner, who, who is responding to God in a positive way when the, those who were Jewish did not. And I, and I, I don't know if um, you've ever, ever, ever just kind of pondered that question, right? Why, why does that take place? Why does that happen? And, you know, over the, over the centuries, of course, we have, we have seen different ways that this question was answered or different ways. Um, some being, I think we could say, hateful toward the Jewish people, even in the way that it was answered or responded to. One of the things that we see in Scripture often is that when truth goes out, right, and it is rejected over and over, and it continually is rejected, when that takes place and when that happens, there's often a hardening of the heart that goes with it. And one of the things that Jesus says over and over again, referring to the truth, was that the truth was given to the Jews. Right? I mean, he, he says that over and over again. And so what happened, the, the, the Jewish people are being raised up under the word of God, and it's being taught, but it's being twisted, right? And, and, and the truth of, of this Messiah and what he's come, it, it's being twisted and changed and morphed. And, and what should be the appropriate response to the word of God, instead we see hardened hearts, right? We see whited sepulchers. We see dry bones. And, and it has become, uh, in essence, beyond just a few and, and even the priests, but a, a full-blown cultural phenomenon in the nation at this time. So much so that, that those who are, are walking with the Lord, those who are right with the Lord, are often called out, especially uh, as being the exceptions, so to speak. Right? As being the exceptions something unique, something different. And, and here is Jesus saying that there is one who responded properly in this situation. And they're Samaritan. They're not Jewish. And, and he's pointing that out. And why? Because you have had the truth, right? You, you heard the truth. You know the truth. This ought to be you. You should be here. And, and, and even in this uh, description here, even in this condemnation of their behavior, it is in essence still a call and a plea to return to God. You know, th this, this is not a, oh, you're terrible, oh, I hate you. It's not that. It is the opposite. It is, it is Jesus pleading for the salvation of the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. Because he loves them. And so Jesus, 
when he lifts this up, he, he notes their failure to return to give glory to God. But his desire is not that it continue or that they somehow be punished, but that they would return and give glory to God. And so each of these questions is intended almost as a declaration to the people standing around who have, have gathered, likely hearing this leper return with his megaphone voice, declaring out, look what God has done for me, look what Jesus has done for me, as the crowd likely gathered in response to hearing that. Jesus gives this declaration, and in essence, it's a cry to return to the Lord. Lastly, Jesus gives a pronouncement here. Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You see, this, this literally says, your faith has saved you. Right? That, that literally is what it says here. Your faith has saved you. And, and so the declaration here is, you who are of Samaria have believed. You've trusted. You believed God. And, and here it is. It has saved you. It has been counted to you as righteousness. Certainly those around would have caught on to that language. Same type of language that was used for Abraham back in Genesis. This declaration that the, that the faith of this one Samaritan has saved him points out the fact that those who believe, those who follow, ought to be people who truly are folks of thanksgiving. He came back with thanksgiving in his heart. Jesus publicly gave a declaration here, a confirmation, a pronouncement of this man's salvation. A couple things as we consider this. No one's saved because of a thankful spirit. Right? No one's saved because... They're pleasant. No one's saved because they're uh, encouraged about the future or whatever that is. Jesus is not teaching that his thankful heart somehow granted him salvation. Jesus is teaching here that he demonstrated true faith, and he says it up there, thy faith, what, has saved you. And when people have that faith, when someone truly is born again, then their lives should demonstrate a profoundly thankful heart. It should, it should put on display to others how thankful they are for what, what God has done. You know, we, we ought to be people who are, are praising God and giving thanks to God for a heart of authentic faith if we are born again. We, we ought to be. We see it over and over again by believers in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, right? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. 2 Corinthians 9. Thanks be unto God. Why? For his unspeakable gift. Colossians 1, starting in 11. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, 
who has delivered us from the power of darkness, hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. God, thank you for all of that. Colossians 3, 17. Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the, uh, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. What's this say? New Testament is very clear. Those who believe, those who have believing hearts, need to be people who give thanks and praise and glorify God. So you know, all of these that give thanks to God, there's a reason for it. And every time it's mentioned, Jesus is that reason. See that? Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know, we, we praise God through Jesus. And it's true now, it's true in this world, it's true in all eternity. Give you a quick uh, illustration here. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, sharing the gospel with a, a lady, and uh, and she was starting to understand the good news of the gospel, and and uh, she was known to be a lady who talked a lot. Right, and uh, she she burst out. She finally started to understand, and, and, and she cried out, "Oh, Mr. Spurgeon, if Christ saves me, he will never hear the end of it." Right? She, she was speaking and saying something that, that she didn't understand because, frankly, if she's born again, the praise that will come out of her heart will be eternal. The praise of the redeemed should be eternal. And literally, God should never hear the end of it. So as we think about these verses and, and all that they say, you know, the fact is that we have so much to be thankful for today as believers. In this world, there is a lack of thankfulness. And time after time, folks go through life upset, angry, time after time. And yet, we are so blessed. Think about the amount of blessings that we have in this nation. I mean, you, you could literally stay in your house and not need anything. Right? It'll be delivered to your door for you. I mean, you, you can literally do nothing. I mean, you, you want to communicate, you just call them on the phone. I mean, you, whatever you want, it can happen, right? You, have to, you, you don't have to lift much more than this, right? And you can have everything that you need. You can have your job right there, right? You, you can have whatever. Money can be transferred. You can do it all. I mean, it's crazy what we have today. And yet, as a society... We, we've probably never been more down. We've probably never been more depressed. It's, it's uh, incredible to think about. But you know, we need to be people who are thankful. And there is much to be thankful for. We need to lift our, our, our voices in praise to God. We need to lift our voices in thanks to God for all that he has done And you know, those grateful people, they help others too. They encourage others too. They truly are a light in the darkness as they point others to Christ. And through them, Christ is powerfully proclaimed to a world that needs to hear him. And in a culture that is far too dark today, that is far too down, a light, a ray of hope, is cast forth and has tremendous effect. 
Would you pray for God to let your light in this community shine more brightly for his glory? That more people would see Christ through you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the challenge put before us. My Lord, a Samaritan who had a grateful heart because of what you've done. Father, may it not be said of your people that we are ungrateful for the blessings and the salvation that you've provided. Lord, help us to take upon ourselves a joyful response to what you've done, a loving response. Father, help us when we look around in darkness, at the darkness around us, to, to not be complainers and moaners and grumblers, but to be thankful to God in the midst of it. To shine forth that beautiful light of the gospel and putting it forth before others because we're thankful for what you have done in us. God, we can't do this on our own. This is a spiritual work. Father, may we lay our hearts before you today seeking to draw ever closer to you and your desire for us that we would be more brightly shining for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.